video from uh, this past week as we were up at Long Ridge at our shaken getaway, which is for our middle school students. And so uh, today, what we're going to be able to do is, is, is somewhat of a recap of the week. And I wanted to kind of uh, end the staple this morning as far as our students go, but also to share with you a little bit about what happened. And so our theme for the week was heroes. As you saw, we didn't just have two random people show up dressed up like Batman and Robin in the video, which that would have been really weird. It was already weird to begin with, but it was funny for the kids. And so uh, the theme was heroes, and so we looked throughout the scripture, and we saw the different heroes, and it all led to that pinnacle, and the one hero that all of scripture points to, and that is obviously Jesus. And so what we see, we went from Abraham to uh, Moses to Rahab to Gideon, and then we ended on Jesus. And so really where we are right now is as we look at this promise that God provided from the beginning, that promise was that one day he will send his son, the greatest hero, to save us from our sins. And so we see that it led to that point, but what we need to realize for ourselves is that there is still a promise that has not been fulfilled, one that we are waiting on, and that is Christ's return. And so where we are right now is in this waiting area. You know, I look at it as it's kind of like the, the gap life that we live in right now because, because we have seen the fulfillment of what God said he was going to do and that he was going to send his son, but now we are looking to see that his son is coming back. And so really the question we have to ask ourselves is what are we doing with our life right now as we wait on the life that is to come? And so my hope today is that you will come with me and have an understanding of the eternal rather than the temporal. Because when we live our life for the eternal, what it does is it affects how we live our life in the temporal. But too often there are too many of us that we live our life for the temporal. And what happens as a result is we forfeit the eternal. One of my favorite days of the year is Thanksgiving. Now, it's because I get to sit around and do nothing. Now, that changed a little bit when I got married because now all of a sudden we have to travel a little bit more. And so it's not necessarily as relaxing as it once was when I could just go and veg out on the couch and my grandmother could just spoil me rotten, which is amazing. And so uh, as we have uh, on Thanksgiving, one of my traditions that I like to do is, and this is just weird, is I just, I like to starve myself all day so that way I can just like enjoy that meal because we would eat at night and uh, what I realized was this is that throughout the day I was absolutely miserable. I was just like hangry all day. I'd get up, maybe if I was feeling good, I'd, I'd eat a bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios and then that would be it. Now, as I've grown older, I've realized that it's okay to eat lunch, you know, that it's okay to continue and eating that regular meal because what ends up happening is I'm still eating the same portions that I was going to eat otherwise for that meal at night. See, too many of us live our lives, I think, like I lived Thanksgiving Day. What we sit around and do is absolutely nothing. We just sit and we wait. Now, there's two people that we need to look at in having this understanding, and one is there, there are those of us that, that we are in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is my hope and prayer. And that is the reason why we are here and why, why we as ministers do what we do. Because we want you to come into that relationship with Christ. And so there are those of you that, that you are in that relationship, but you are just sitting back and you're just waiting. 
You're waiting. Maybe you are, are so consumed in the knowledge of the word that you are, are jumping right in and, and you are trying to, to learn as much as you can. But here's the thing. Knowledge puffs up. And what good is knowledge if you're not teaching? What good is knowledge if you just hoard it to yourself? But see, then there's those here that they don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so they don't know what they're waiting for. They're waiting without hope. They're waiting without freedom. They're waiting without fulfillment. And so today's passage is going to teach us how we are to wait. And we're going to look at these two different types of people in that passage. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up to Matthew chapter 25. In this passage, what we're looking at is the, the passage of the kingdom. And so Jesus is talking about the life that is to come. And in this passage specifically, this is a parable regarding what we are to do with the life that we are living now in hope of the life that is to come. Matthew 6:34 says, "Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." I love how James puts this as we look at eternity. It says here in James chapter 4 verses 13 and 14 it says, "Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make a profit." You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. See, we're not guaranteed the time that we have left on this earth. And so as we jump in, we need to look at and see what are we doing with our time here on earth. It says here in this passage, let's read aloud here, chapter 25, verse 14. It says, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here have my five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I'll paraphrase the rest of it because it is kind of long. But then the, the, he comes to the guy with the two talents. He goes and he invests in two talents more. And then we see the last guy. He goes and he hides his talents. So as we look at this passage today and we really want to see how we are to utilize our time here on this earth, the first thing that I think that we really need to step into and have an understanding of is simply this. It's this, is that God gives the gifts. Look at what it says here in chapter 4, verse 14. It says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. I want to come back to verse 14 here in just a little bit. But what I want you to see here in verse 15 is that God is the one who distributes the gifts. Now, this is something that pertains to everyone. Whether you are in a relationship with Jesus or not, God has given you a gift. It's now up to you how you utilize that gift. 
And so as we look at this passage, what I hope that you'll see is this, is that there are two purposes that God has called us to. There's his general purpose and there's his specific purpose. The general purpose that God calls us to is this. We see this in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What is God's general will? His general will, his general purpose is this, is that all would come into relationship with him. Now here's the thing. We know that that's not going to happen, but that still doesn't mean that that is not at the core of who God is and what he wants. First Timothy, I love how it says here in chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, it says, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. God wants us all to come into relationship with him. And so as we look here, we see his general will. But for those of us who are in a relationship with him, there are two things that God has called us to do. And this is for everyone. One, that we are to be his messengers. We are to share his good news. He says it this way in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. In Acts 1, 8, he says it this way. He says that you are to be my witnesses. My witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so what we need to realize is that there is no excuse for a follower of Christ to not share the good news, that good news gospel, the hope of Christ Jesus who died on the cross for our sins and who rose again proclaiming victory over sin, proclaiming victory over death. That is the hope that we as followers of Christ have. And if we do not share that news, then we are mean, mean people. And so we have the hope to share. And so no matter what you do, God has called us to share that good news. You know, it's always interesting to me in my position, I'll get phone calls from different people and they'll want me to come and to, to minister to their business, minister to their organization, this or that. And, and those things are fine, so I don't want you to hear that aspect of it and think, oh my goodness, Matthew doesn't like doing those things. But here is why I don't necessarily think that it lines up scripturally. See, because all of these people that call me are ones who proclaim to be followers of Christ. And so I look at them and I say, why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you fulfilling God's will for your life when he has called you to do that? Too often what we do is we rely on the minister to do our job. So we see here in this passage that God has given us a gift to fulfill based off of his will. And then the other one is simply this, is that we need to live our life glorifying him. So as we look at God's general will, we need to glorify God in all the things that we do. Giving thanks. I love how 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat, sleep, or drink, whatever you do, do it unto the glory of God. Are you living your life honoring him? Are you living your life glorifying him? It could be sport. It could be work. It can be every little thing that you do and everything that you are a part of. Are you glorifying him? But we see not only his general will, but we see his 
specific will, his specific purpose. I love how verse Peter puts it in chapter 4, verse 10. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. See, God wants his general will to be fulfilled through his specific will for your life. And he wants to see these two collide and become one. And when that happens, what begins to manifest in your life is the fulfillment of Christ in your life. And you begin to live according to his plan and his purpose for your life. You know, working with students, one of the things that, that I see a lot is that there are a lot of parents who live vicariously through their children. You know, their kids have a, a gift in, in one area, uh, but maybe and when it's all said and done, that's not their true gift. But because mom and dad really want to see them excel in this area, they continue to push them. And what ends up happening is you can push them to the point that they just don't want anything to do with it. So it ends up backfiring on you. See, what I want you to understand is this, is that when we look at God's specific purpose for our life, it needs to align with the gifts that he has given us. And you have to be honest with yourself if you are going to know what that specific purpose is. I remember when I was a kid, I I, I sang. My my dad's a minister of music. My mom can sing really, really well. And and, uh, my mother-in-law can sing really well. So I, I my kid's probably going to be a singer. Who knows? But uh, anyways, I, you know, I sang in middle school, and I, I sang in high school. Now, here's the thing. Singing is not necessarily the most popular thing when you're a middle school boy. And so, you know, I wanted to, to be known as Matthew the baseball player, not Matthew who is in honors course. And so I remember as I was with my mom one day, and she said, Matthew, if you do not practice the gift that God has given you, he will take it from you. I mean, that always has stuck with me. Because the thing is, is that God will do that. Because why would he waste time on his general will if you're not willing to fulfill that in your own life? And so we need to be open. We need to be honest. We need to ask God to show us those gifts that he has given us. And we need to utilize them ultimately for his glory. So as we look at this time that is spent here on this earth, as we look forward to the hope that is to come, we see that God gives us gifts. But the second thing that we see here is as we look at those gifts is this, is that we need to manage well what God has given us. If you're taking notes, write that down. Manage well what God has given me, what God has given you. Look here in verse 14 again. It says this, and I love how it, it, how it says it here. It says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. As we look at what God gives us, the first thing we need to realize is this, is that this place is not ours. All that you have, though you may think you have earned it, it is not yours. This world was not created by me. This world was not created by you. This world was created by God. And God entrusts us with his property to fulfill his purpose on this place. And so specifically, we see that we are to manage the gifts that God has given us. It says here that to each one he gave five talents, or to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. So what did these men do with what God gave them? Well, we see the guy who had five talents. What did he do? Well, he went and he invested that. 
He invested that and he made five talents more. The man who had two talents, he went and he invested that. He made two talents more. The guy who's given one went, he dug a hole, he hid it because he was afraid. What does that have to do with us? You know, when I look at that passage, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, five talents, two talents, one talent. What, what does this have to do with us? Well, it's very simple. One thing that you need to realize as we look at these men is that this, is that we are all different. We are all different. You know, we live in a world where we want to uh, be able to distribute uh, evenly the things that uh, are coming from the top financially. And so we look at that and we think, okay, well, everything, there needs to be this even distribution of wealth. But when we look at the scripture, what we see here is that God does not evenly distribute. God looked at one person and he said, hey, you are going to be given five talents. Go use that for my glory. He said, you, you're going to be given two talents. Go use that for my glory. Hey, you're going to be given one talent. Go use that for my glory. Do you realize that it is okay to be different? It's not about what we have. It's about what we do with what we have. We live in a world that we are constantly looking at others. I see it all over social media. It is the, oh, goodness, you're going to get me going on this one. When I look at Facebook sometimes and I see some of these pictures, guess what? Y'all create the biggest lie. I create the biggest lie. You know, nobody takes the picture when they wake up in the morning. They want to take the picture all the time of themselves looking good. And this is the one that really cracks me up. When people wish somebody happy birthday, I don't know if anyone's on social media, do you realize they never just take a picture of the person they're telling happy birthday to. They always have to insert themselves in that picture as well. I mean, maybe it's just me and working with students. I just I think that is so interesting because really what we are doing is we are trying to paint a picture of ourselves as looking much better than we really are. And the fear in social media is this, is that social media creates for us the world that we want to live in and we become the God of that world. It is a false reality. But we try to paint ourselves as to being so much better than what reality shows. See, as we look at this, I want you to understand that it's okay. It's okay to be different. But take that which is different and do something good for God's kingdom. So we see here that we are all different. But then the other thing that we see here as we look at these men is that God rewards us based on how we utilize our gifts for his glory. Do you realize that God rewards us differently? I love what it says here in Hebrews 9.27. It says, it is appointed unto man to die and then to face the judgment. Now, here's the thing. I don't want you to look at this as a means of earning our salvation. But I do want you to realize this is that we are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible is very clear about that. Whether we are, are saved according to uh, God's grace in our life or whether we are not, we are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, the judgments are going to look a little different. For those of us who are not in a relationship with Christ, that judgment is going to be an eternal judgment. But for those of us who are in a relationship with Christ, that is going to be a judgment based off of what you did with the gifts God has given you. See, there is such a thing as a reward system, and God is going to reward us based on how we have utilized our life for his glory. You know, there is government in heaven. 
There is only one king. His name is Jesus. He is going to have a kingdom. He is going to have people who are going to work in his kingdom for him. Now, as I was studying that and looking at that, it really hit home to me because the temptation for us is that we want to do well in this life to get accolades in this life. Now, here's the thing. Rewards in this life are not bad. I don't want you to hear that and think, oh my goodness, these things are terrible. No, these things can be good, but they can also be bad based on how you utilize them. My grandfather was a coach for a a long, long time, and and I remember as a kid, I'd go sit in his living room, and I'd look over his walls, and I would see uh, all these trophies. I would see all of these plaques, and I thought, man, I want to be like granddaddy. Man, I want to I get these trophies. I want to I win. You know, that's all my mentality was, I want to win. You know, the thing is, is those trophies are still there. But granddaddy's been gone for five years. We can't take those things with us, but I can tell you this much. The words that I've heard from his former players, that's the real trophy. As any time we would walk into the mall, as any time I would go anywhere and they would come up to me and they would tell me how my grandfather was a father figure to them. How my grandfather always walked in integrity. They never heard him swear once. You know, I look at that and I see that's the reward. See, he had a platform and he utilized it for God's glory. And so the Lord's not going to look and say, oh, man, you got got this trophy for your team. No, but he's going to say how you loved your team, how you invested in your team. That is where the reward comes. And so I don't know what my granddaddy's doing right now in heaven. But I know that he is over something. Because he was a man of integrity, a man of leadership, and he did those things for the glory of God. See, one day we are going to stand before the Lord. And on that day, we are going to have to give an account of how we lived this life for his glory. It says here, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Have you been faithful with the little things in this life? See, God doesn't look at the big things. God wants to see how we do the little things. And he rewards us based on how we do them for his glory. So we see here as we look at this passage and how we are to utilize our life uh, in this time, as we wait on the life to come, we see that, that God is the one who gives us the gifts. And we see that the Lord wants us to manage these gifts for his glory. But the last thing that we see here, and this is an interesting turn, somewhat of a plot twist when we look at this parable, and it's this. A religious view of God will not get you through. A religious view will not get you through if we're going to make a rhyme out of it. And what we see here in this passage is the last guy and how he reacts to the master. Look here in verse 24. It says, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. 
Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So to take the talent from him and to give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Really what this is saying is this, is that your view of God will determine how you live your life. You know, we all have a worldview, and if we were to sit down and we were to talk to each other, we would really begin to figure out what that worldview is. But the thing is, is that your worldview, uh, more specifically here, your view of God is going to impact every decision that you make. It is going to impact how you live your life. And as we look at this passage, what we see here is that this man had a poor view of God. One, we see that he was afraid of God. But the other reason we see here is this, is he was afraid of God because his view of God was incomplete. It says here, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. That word hard man in that passage means merciless. Now here's the thing. If he had a complete view of his master, he would realize that the master shows mercy. The Bible tells us that God's mercies are new every day. You know, this past month has been uh, somewhat of a marathon slash sprint for us as we've gone from, from Gatlinburg to take our high school students to camp immediately the next week down to Orlando for a leadership conference, was able to get up here for just a week, and then we were uh, last week at Longridge, and, and this week is vacation Bible school. So it's been somewhat of a sprint for me, but it's been very rewarding. But one morning before we left, I think it was either before the Orlando trip or, or, or before the uh, the first getaway trip. I remember I ran outside. I went outside and I just, I just ran. You know, there's something beautiful in the morning of just being able to get up to run, just to have that time with the Lord. And I remember as I was done running, I looked and and there in the distance was the most beautiful sunrise. I took a picture, put it up on Instagram. So if you want to go and follow, you can look at that. But anyways, I uh, I took a picture and I looked at that and I thought to myself, Wow, His mercies are new every day. Wherever there is a sunrise, there is hope. Wherever there is a sunrise, there is a second chance. And I sat there and I said, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. The man with the one talent did not see that God. He did not see that Lord. And it affected his life. He had an incomplete view of God. So what do we do from here? As we went through, what we realize is where we end is truly where it begins. Because our life begins when we have a complete understanding of who God is. Several years ago, I was taking... Uh, my first class is I entered into uh, seminary at uh, Southeastern, and I went down to Charleston Southern and to the Extension Campus, and I was down there with a group of about eight different ministers, and we were in there talking the first night, and uh, it ended up, uh, that first night of class ended up more into just being a share time, and as we got to the, the end of the, the class, 
I remember my professor got up and he, he began to talk. And he began to share with us about his little girl. They just had a little baby and she had a disease. And this disease, what it did was it, it made her itch continuously. And so what she would do is she would scratch herself trying to keep the itching from happening. But as she would scratch herself because of uh, whatever this disease caused, she could not feel the fact that she was ripping her skin off. And so she would uncontrollably scratch her head and make herself bleed. I'll never forget what my professor said as he would hold his little girl and he would just pray, Jesus, make it stop. Jesus, make it stop. Jesus, make it stop. He said that he would have to grab her arms and hold them down as she would forcefully try to just continue to scratch her head. And he would try to sit there and to, to keep the bleeding from happening. And as he held her in his arms and she would rest off to sleep, he said, guys, this is grace. This is God's love. You know, as I look at this passage and I see these three men, two had an understanding of who God is, but that last one did not. See, when we look at this passage, what we realize is that, yes, we serve a just God. That means he is right. His ways are better than our ways. His way is perfect, and though we don't always understand his way, we know that the end is hope. And my hope for you today is this, is that you will begin to live your life resting in the Father's arms.